0: United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. If you didn't know it, once again, Vladimir Putin is the president of Russia and his fourth term, and he has been the only man in charge, well, either as prime minister or as president since the beginning of the century. And he once again will have six years to do what he wants to do. We wanted to put in perspective his accession or reaccession to power, and Bill Taylor's with us. William B. Taylor, U.S. Institute of Peace Executive vice President, former ambassador to the Ukraine, is with us tweeting at USIP. Bill, welcome back. Thank you for being here today.: Thank you, Tim. It's great to be back. So it seems that Mr. Putin, in his uh, address, focused mostly on the economy. He wants to be top five. What is his status right now? He was reelected, obviously, but give us a sense of where he is in the minds of the Russian people.
1: He's clearly uh, pretty high in the minds of the Russian people, however, his economy is nowhere near the top five. Uh, If anything, it's probably declining. He's about number eleven down there with kind of Italy and Portugal, and uh, so his economy's not doing well. The reason the economy's there are a bunch of reasons the economy's not doing well, but one of them is that he has outlawed himself. He's isolated himself, um, and by his various actions, uh, by in particular the invasion of Ukraine, the war in Ukraine and the subsequent sanctions, the resulting sanctions uh, that, the, that the international community by and large overall has imposed on him. So he's isolated himself. I can understand his, uh, his need to say to the Russian people, OK, I get it. I'm, we're now going to focus on, uh, uh, on your welfare uh, because the Russian welfare is, is not doing so well. The sanctions are hurting them.
0: I wonder where his power comes from. I, I ask that question in the sense that we see protests, although they're not seen on Russian television, we see protests against his presidency, against the way he runs things. And I just – where does his support come from? Is there um, some sort of a structural – is it uh, former KGB people who are helping him? Is it is it the army that's behind him? Where Where does he get his power from?
1: It's – all behind him tim it is all behind him in particular um the media um while you can find a lot of different outlets and newspapers uh, the major source of information coming to the russian people um, is dominated by the kremlin is dominated by the russian government um, so there, there is that, and of course, uh, um, he is photogenic. Um, he is dramatic. He takes risks. Um, he m- makes Russians feel like they are strong and important again, even if their economic situation, as we were just talking, is uh, is declining. If their ec- economic uh, welfare is go- going down, nonetheless, they feel like they are. Important again in the world, um, even though they see, um, to the extent that the Russian media will allow them, they see that they're kind of not integrated in, they're not part of the world, they're kind of isolated from the world. But th- that even further reinforces their support for Putin because they're saying, "Oh, everybody else is against us, so we're with him."
0: I uh, I, I just was struck by the idea about the media and uh, the KGB, the Kremlin news service. Sort of like fake news is is the dominant force. It's news that comes just from the government, as opposed to news that some people characterize as fake, which criticizes the government. We can leave that for another time. I did want to ask, what do you, how would you characterize the relationship between the United States and Russia, I think more specifically between Vladimir Putin and President Donald Trump?
1: Hard to say. Um, the actions of uh, of this administration, of the Trump administration, have been very strong against uh, the encroachment uh, by russian uh, on the, on their, by russia on their borders uh that is uh this administration um, has put on very hard sanctions the last administration put on sanctions uh against russia for their invasion of crime uh, and annexation of crimea Attempted annexation of Crimea, um, their aggression in Donbass, um, mild sanctions uh, on their meddling in our election. Uh, but this administration has gone beyond that and has really put harsh sanctions on people around. Mr. Putin, um, and those sanctions are are actually really hurting. One of the people that is, that this administration sanctioned is Oleg Deripaska, the uh, owner of uh, the largest uh, aluminum uh, manufacturing conglomerate, um, Rusal, um, in in Russia. And the day after this, after Deripaska was sanctioned, the Rusal Value dropped in half. Um, so these sanctions that this administration put pre- on are are very tough. the The president signed, President Trump signed, very strong sanctions legislation. Um, the, this administration has also done something that the previous administration hadn't done, which is to arm the Ukrainians with, with lethal defensive weapons. The previous administration hesitated, indeed refrained, uh, did not arm the Ukrainians uh, in, in the face of Russian aggression, but this administration has. So that's why I say it's, it's, it's hard to be clear on where the, because we've got other messages coming out of the White House, um, uh, which, which makes it hard to understand exactly the, the policy.
0: I wonder if you have any insight into all the news we hear about these oligarchs, oligarchs that may have ties to Michael Cohen, the president's personal attorney, oligarchs who may have tried to influence the elections in 2016. How should we process this? Who do we believe? Who has the right information on these people so we can sort of make a judgment as to how much they are trying to influence the U.S.? And and how much of it is backed by Vladimir Putin?
1: We have to believe that most or all of it is backed by vladimir putin um... the russian government uh, under mr putin clearly the single decision maker um, has a policy of putting out messages um, through oligarchs, as you say, through the media, as you say, through um, information technologies that come through, um, non-governmental organizations that are dominated by the government um, across Europe um, and into the United States. I mean, we saw um, a very sophisticated um, attack um, on the U.S. political system in 2016, and we anticipate that that will happen again because it's not just 2016; it's not just the United States. It, that that sophisticated attack has taken place again um, with a direction; it has to be with the direction of the Kremlin um, across Europe. Um, um, the Brexit referendum, um, uh, the attempt uh, unsuccessful, thankfully, in Germany and and France uh, uh, to influence those elections. Uh, so this is a major effort across uh, across the geography of the world, um, and and it is likely to continue. And they're good at it. Um, the thing about the Russians is they can use this technology. Um, at a very low cost. We've already talked about the, their economic problems. They've got economic problems, but it doesn't cost them much to, to undertake this v- very successful, so far, um, information policy, uh, cyber warfare, information warfare, cyber warfare. They do this pretty well. It doesn't cost them very much, and we are only slowly responding.
0: Bill Taylor, I appreciate you spending time with us on POTUS today. Thanks for the perspective. Thank you, Tim. Great to be here. William William B. Taylor, U.S. Institute of Peace Executive Vice President, former ambassador to the Ukraine, joining us, giving us his insight on yet another term in office for Vladimir Putin. He is tweeting at USIP. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.